I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. This episode is about recovery from eating disorders and disordered eating. Many people suffer silently from these disorders when there is help out there. Recovery is possible and sustainable. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how other people get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. Please join me for episode 13 of the Beauty in the Mess called Recovering from Eating Disorders with Alana Vandersloos. Maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever felt like most of the things in your life are out of control? Does that make you focus on something you can control, such as your eating? Do you force yourself to constantly go on diets or restrict your eating in any way? Alana is a certified intuitive eating counselor, author, speaker, and eating disorder survivor. She is the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, an online community dedicated to people, mostly women, to heal their relationship with food, weight, and their bodies through intuitive eating and fitness. She has made her mess her message by going from having three undiagnosed eating disorders to becoming an intuitive eating coach, helping others with what she used to struggle with. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Alana, and welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you with us today. I know that you're a certified intuitive eating counselor, and I was just hoping that you would explain what that is exactly to our listeners as we get started here today. Sure. So first, I'll give a general definition of what intuitive eating is. It's an anti-diet philosophy or framework that is backed by science through over 100 studies at this point, and it basically relies on 10 principles that promote listening to your body's cues, basically eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, honoring your cravings, keeping your satiety in mind. There is a nutrition component as well as moving your body consistently in a way that brings you joy. So that's what intuitive eating is in a nutshell. So as a certified intuitive eating counselor, all that means is that I studied under one of the founders of intuitive eating. Her name is Evelyn Tripoli. So I went through workshops and had to take a test and did all the things, did all the research that I needed to do in order to help women and men start their intuitive eating journey, stop dieting and find health without obsession, restriction and diets. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of background. So what led you to actually becoming the certified intuitive eating counselor? Did you suffer eating disorders yourself or what led you in this direction? Yeah, I feel like that's a really common thread with people in the mental health space, the body positivity space is we all kind of come from this background of having suffered from it ourselves. So when I was in my 20s, I suffered from three eating disorders, binge eating disorder, orthorexia, which is kind of 
I guess, fixation on quote unquote clean and safe eating, you know, only having like your safe foods. And then I also had body dysmorphic disorder, which is when you fixate on a minor or perceived flaw on your body. And basically what you see in the mirror isn't what is actually there. So I had that as well. And all three were totally undiagnosed by a doctor because I looked quote unquote normal. People saw me as the thin, fit one, healthy one. And what they didn't know was that both physically and mentally, I was really, really suffering. I had behaviors with food and exercise behind the curtain that people didn't really know about. And my mental health, probably more than anything, was really suffering. All I could think about was the number on the scale and how I could maintain this ideal weight that wasn't even naturally meant for my body. But my thoughts were completely, you know, what am I going to eat? What did I just eat? And do I feel guilty about it? And what when am I going to be able to eat next? And it was just all consuming. And I finally recovered after about seven years. And it was a process to recover. I didn't have a coach like myself. I didn't have a therapist. I felt like I couldn't invest in those things, that it was somehow irresponsible. I felt like, oh, I can't waste money on that, which looking back on it, I don't regret my eating disorders at all per se, because it's led me to this passion and this business that I'm in now. But I regret not feeling like I couldn't invest in my own mental health and in my own recovery. I think it took longer than it had to. And I wasted years of my life. I didn't have to, but I finally did recover using podcasts and books. I just immersed myself. I read constantly. I constantly had podcasts in my ear listening to this message of you don't have to worry about your weight and your weight isn't your worth and kind of digging into how I got myself into the position I was in. I suffered from horrible perfectionism. It was very all or nothing thinking and I was using trying to be a perfect weight to shield myself from the criticism of others. I thought if I looked perfect, people couldn't criticize me and I would be protecting myself in some way from that. And it was completely false, but that's what my brain had told me. And once I kind of figured out where it came from, the recovery was easier, but I recovered in my late twenties and then about five years went by and the pandemic happened and I had my son in the middle of the pandemic. He was five months old and I don't know, I guess because we were home a lot. <laughs> there was like very little to do. I'm a high school English teacher and I was teaching virtually and I had my son and I felt like I needed something for me. I felt like I was missing that community outlet in some ways. So I, I took that need and married it with my career as an educator, I've been teaching for 11 years. So it's something that comes naturally to me now and combine that with my passion for intuitive eating. And it came together in this business called freedom with food and fitness. And now I help other men and women who want to go on their intuitive eating journey and are just done with dieting. So can I ask, did you suffer these three disorders at the same time or was it sequential in some way? That's a really good question. The short answer is no. They kind of showed up at different times. It was almost like the disorder was morphing and evolving. And I think it started with body dysmorphic disorder. I've always been very self-conscious about my midsection and my stomach. I would always lift up my shirt in the mirror. And I was told once by my mom, because the women in my family tend to gain weight in their midsection, 
that I was never going to have washboard abs. That was just not in our genetics. And I kind of rebelled against that. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm going to have that. I would always try and it never came to fruition. And I think that led to the restriction. I'm not going to give calorie numbers, but I was eating way under what someone, anybody should be eating. And that restriction would lead to inevitable binging because my body was trying to survive and feed me. So those restrict binge cycles started happening and that was the binge eating disorder. And then as I got out of that, I found Beachbody. Beachbody has exercise programs, but they also have meal plans. And I started doing one of their meal plans. And as the forever quote unquote good student that I am, I was like, okay, I have to exactly follow this meal plan. And it became very rigid in what I could eat, when I could eat, how much I could eat. And I think that's where the orthorexia came in, that obsession with the clean eating. And I think that was kind of the last phase. And I had to phase that out and say, no, it's okay to eat ice cream. It's okay to not eat on a plan. It's okay to listen to your body in terms of what it wants and needs. So that was the evolution of my journey. But that's a really good question because I know a lot of other people suffer in the blend and the nuance of what can happen with a disordered eating. Right. I did want to ask, this probably sounds like an odd question, but is overeating in a way a disorder? I know we look at these disorders like bulimia and the disorders you suffered, but nobody ever thinks of being overweight specifically as a disorder. But yet to me, there's almost always underlying issues for people. So is that a disorder in a way also? Yeah, there's the DSM-5, which is used to diagnose things like binge eating disorder and orthorexia isn't even in that. So orthorexia would almost be technically described as disordered eating. So there's like eating disorders where you fit all the criteria. And then there's kind of that gray area of disordered eating. And I think so many of us fit into that category. It's everybody who's a dieter (laughs) kind of fits into that category. It's anytime where you're not listening to your body's cues and using these external rules and this external data to drive how you eat and move your body is a little bit disordered. Does that answer your question? I think so. Just like these eating disorders that we hear about have some underlying issues that I think kind of drive the disorder. I feel like a lot of us that struggle with our weight period have similar underlying issues. It's just how we respond to it in a way. That's what it seems like. Yeah, no, totally. That's what I always say is it's not about the food. Everyone thinks, oh my God, I'm addicted to chocolate. It's the chocolate. That's the problem. And that's not really the problem. The the chocolate's fine. It's that you are restricting it for some reason because you have some sort of belief that chocolate is bad or that weight gain is bad or that sugar is bad. None of it is bad. It's it's what we do with the food sometimes. It's that underlying piece, as you just said. Some people have childhood trauma that they haven't resolved and they're using food to numb out. Right. Or they're very stressed or some other negative emotion. They don't know how to properly process and actually feel those emotions. So instead of processing them and feeling them, they're using food to avoid it. And that's where we come into trouble. So when you were suffering or in the throes of your specific eating disorders, did you know that what you were doing wasn't, I don't know if normal is the appropriate word, but 
<laughs> what the average person is doing or did or was that normal to you does that make sense yeah you know what in the beginning it, it did feel normal to me simply because it's what I had seen from my mom you know the whole watching your weight type of thing all my friends were dieting or worried about their bodies in high school and it seemed normal until it got so severe to the point where I noticed that food was all I was thinking about. I noticed I wasn't present when I was with family and friends. I noticed I didn't feel good in my body. I was a quote unquote ideal weight, but I felt like I was walking through quicksand all day long because I was malnourishing myself. Wow. I wasn't treating my body right. And I said, there's something wrong here. And the tipping point for me was interesting. I was following this blog by this woman who was a couple of years older than me. And she seemed like she had it all. She was very pretty and she was fit and she had a beautiful family and she would make all these wonderful recipes and have these workouts on her blog and her life seemed perfect. And then she came out with a post about having hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when you lose your period, you stop menstruating because she was restricting her food too much. The doctor told her she needed to gain weight in order to be able to conceive because she was having trouble having a baby. And I wasn't at the point where I wanted children yet, but it really blew my mind that this person who looked like she had it all, aesthetically looked like I had wanted to look, was doing something to her body that would allow her to not have children. And I wanted children eventually. And I said, oh my God, is what I'm doing going to ruin my chances of having a family? Am I going to ruin my body over this? So that was big for me. That would be huge. So as far as your recovery, I know you said you invested in podcasts and books, but just reading a book or just listening to a podcast is not a cure. So how did you make that mindset shift or what actually drove you to recovery? Or was it just that repetition? It really was. Was it? Okay. And I would never suggest this to anybody else because I'm just the type of person that is very determined. Once I want to do something, I jump 110% into it. Right. So it really was, I was listening to these things on loop all the time. And that was my way of rewiring my brain. Right. But again, it took years and it took a lot of repetition. So for anybody who is really serious about recovery and wants it to happen sooner rather than later, I would say, don't do that. <laughs> I would say definitely, and it doesn't even need to be an intuitive eating coach, but just a therapist, a non-diet registered dietitian, somebody who not only has the expertise to help you, but also is an objective person who can look at your situation in a way that you can't and say, okay, here's where you need to do X, Y, Z, or here's where I'm seeing an issue. Have you ever considered this? It's like putting a mirror up to you that you wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And it's also kind of a monitoring of what you're doing and make sure you're staying on the right path. That was the thing, exactly what you just said. There's an accountability piece and a support piece because anyone who's suffering from yo-yo dieting or an eating disorder, very few people quote unquote, in your real life, not like on Instagram and the intuitive eating community, but in your real life, not many people actually understand why would you want to get off a diet or why are you not pursuing weight loss? It's like people don't understand. So you need a coach or a dietitian or somebody 
who understands the space and who understands what you're trying to do. And again, will keep you accountable because it's so easy when things get hard to just say, you know what, I'm going back on another diet. This whole not having any control over my food is really scary. I'm going to go back. So you can fall back into the pattern over and over and over again, unless you have someone to say, uh-uh, <laughs> come back now. <laughs> right. And it sounds like for you that part of it was just making that decision that I am going to do this. I am going to get healthy and then keeping that promise to yourself. Yeah. It sounds like that was part of it, at least to me. It was. I was looking at everything I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to have children and I wanted to be successful in the way that I wanted to. And I knew that I wasn't giving myself the brain capacity to do those things. And I didn't want my whole life to be about the number on the scale. Right. And I do this with my clients. I, I thought to when I'm on my deathbed. Am I going to still be worried about my weight? And if I don't change those thought patterns now, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I don't want that to be the case. So do you ever still get triggered as far as talking about the number on the scale? Like say you have a holiday and you gain three pounds. Does that trigger something or have you gotten past that? Well, the beauty of that is I don't step on the scale anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have no idea what I weigh. I have no idea. I go to the doctor. They say, do you want to step on the scale? I say, no, thank you. <laughs> and I don't weigh myself at home. I don't see the point in it because I feed my body when it's hungry. I stop when it's full. I consider how my body's going to feel when I eat things. If I want pizza, I have pizza, but I also know how much pizza I can have before I start to feel very sluggish and gassy and bloated. So I'll pair the pizza with maybe a side salad or some grilled chicken or a vegetable or something. And, and I move my body consistently. I love to exercise. I love to take walks. I love to dance. Our health is if we're looking at it like a pie, our weight is a very, very small sliver of what constitutes our overall mental and physical health. It's We're led to believe that it's like this big, all-consuming thing that if you gain five pounds, you shaved five years off your life. And it's, just, it's not that dramatic, but popular media has kind of made it that way. So it's not a reflection of my health. It's not a reflection of my worth. Our weight fluctuates like two to six pounds a day depending on salt content, how many carbohydrates we've eaten the day before, what part of our menstrual cycle we're in. So it's a stressor that I don't need and that nobody needs. So I just, I don't step on. I think that's awesome, actually. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so a huge part of this is not only achieving your goal, but sustaining that goal. So we've kind of touched on it indirectly, but it sounds like to me, making that promise to yourself and keeping it might be one thing and accountability would be a huge thing. Are there any other things that have helped you maintain your recovery? Just the long game. I have goals in my life that I want to achieve. I have done so much thought work in terms of what I'm grateful for in my life and what I'm worth as a person and building up those aspects totally separated from my weight. I'm worthy of being a human being simply by being here, but all the things that I've accomplished have nothing to do with my weight and all the things that I'm grateful for that have nothing to do with my weight. I think that's a huge thing. Another thing that keeps me grounded in recovery is my clients, the space that I'm in, and managing my thoughts. I work 
with my clients, we go over the intuitive eating principles. There's 10 principles and we go over practical, actionable strategies to apply those principles. But one thing that I think is really unique about my program is that I go over the mindset piece of this because I could tell you to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, whatever. But if we don't address the thoughts that you've been having for years around what weight means about your worth or what your body means about your worth, none of the principles really apply. You can't be successful if you're not dealing with the thoughts that you're having and figuring out whether or not they're serving you or not. So how do you help clients change their mindset? I mean, is it just talking through it and and making them realize what their triggers are perhaps and avoiding those triggers, like you were saying, staying off the scale or what actually flips their mindset? How do you help them do that? I challenge their thoughts. I tell them that all circumstances are neutral and it's what we make things that happen to us mean that sometimes get us into trouble. So for example, I was talking with one of my clients earlier this week, and she was saying how she has this past trauma. She was a musician and then something happened and she couldn't keep pursuing that. And that's kind of when her eating disorder started. And now she's had her eating disorder for 20 years and she doesn't really know who to be outside of those things. And I told her trauma, a lot of us have experienced trauma. And it happens once to us. And what we do as humans is we think about it over and over and over again. And when we do that, we're reliving it over and over again. So I told her, I said, this thing happened to you once and you've been reliving it for 20 years. You have to realize that the event itself can't hurt you anymore. It's you thinking about it over and over and over again. Can you find a way to sever that and leave the past in the past and start looking toward your future of you're not a musician anymore. And you're someone who is now weight restored. You're not recovered, but you're not where you were. Who can you be going forward without your eating disorder? Can we figure out who that person is? So kind of shifting her mindset from the past into more of the present and future. So I do a lot of challenging beliefs. Like, what do you believe is that really true? And is that thought really serving you? Because every single thought we have throughout the day, and there are thousands a day, they're all optional. Right. So what serves you best? Yeah. And listening to you talk, it sounds like a lot of times when people feel like they've lost control in some important area of their life, that they focus on what they can control, which is how they eat. It's like diverting, I've lost control over here, but I can control this. And then they're, they're, hypersensitive to that area or something. Is that true in your experience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was part of my issue is I was always somebody who knew the next step of my life. And I was always a good student. I always excelled. So I would always get all this external validation from people. And once I graduated college, there was no grade system or barometer system. And I felt very out of control with my place in the world. And one of the ways that I decided to gain control, quote unquote, is to control my weight. But what a lot of people don't realize is it gets to a point where it starts to control you and you don't know how to function without it. And that's where the problem happens. Right. So I know like beyond just being a counselor, you're also an author and a speaker. 
And I think you've just written a book. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I'm very, very excited. I'm also a high school English teacher and I've been writing my whole life. I have a bachelor's in journalism. So writing has always been a huge passion of mine. And ever since I was like 10, I wanted to write a book and I never knew what I would write about or what I would love or be passionate enough about to write. But then all this happened and the beauty and the mess. I took having all these eating disorders and turned it into a business and a book. It took 90-ish rejection letters. Ah. In order to find a publisher, but you only fail if you give up. So I found a publisher, it's Urano Publishing, and it'll be out in the spring of this coming year in 2023. So I'm really excited. It's called Freedom with Food and Fitness, How Intuitive Eating is the Key to Your Happiest, Healthiest Self. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you build it based on what your experience has been with clients over the years and what they've gone through or? Mostly my experience. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, it's lots of anecdotes from my own life, things that I went through. The book is divided into two parts. It's food and fitness. So the first half of the book is all about very practical, actionable tips on how to implement the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And then the second half of the book really focuses on the movement portion. There's the intuitive eating book by founders, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rash. And those go into the 10 principles, but I wanted to create a book that was really practical, really easy to digest and read and understand and have tips that people could implement that day. Like it wasn't all like esoteric and kind of meta stuff. It was very much like, here's something you can do that's really practical, really not black and white, easy to tailor to you and set you on the journey as quickly as possible. So kind of like what we were talking about earlier is is the book not only for people who think they're suffering from an eating disorder, but would it help people who are just overweight that want to get their weight under control? Would that be an option for them as well? Yeah, it's for everybody. It's for anyone who is in a larger body, in a smaller body, who has an eating disorder, has disordered eating, is somebody who is just kind of yo-yo dieting or is gaining and losing that last 15 pounds. It's for everybody who feels like there's something off with their relationship with food or weight in their body, this book is for them. That's great. Thank you. So is there anything we haven't touched on that you would want to touch on? I want to talk about my coaching just in case there's anybody out there who feels like this might be them. So I offer group coaching virtually. It's called Defy the Diet. It's a 10-week virtual program. They get worksheets and meditations and private coaching sessions, group coaching sessions. It's a program that is live, but also lives on Evergreen. People who take the 10-week course have all the materials forever. There's a Facebook group. There's a lot of community aspect. It's a wonderful program. It's everything that helped me recover, married with everything that I learned in becoming a counselor. So I love it. I love doing it. My clients see amazing results. So if anybody's looking to heal their relationship with food and weight in their body and stop dieting and finally feel comfortable in their own skin and achieve health without the obsession and the restriction, they can go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. And there you can see I have different packages, different pricing and we can talk about working together. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there any other social media links that people could connect to you or is that the main avenue to reach you? 
It's freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. I'm most active on Instagram at Freedom with Food and Fitness. I'm also on Facebook at Freedom with Food and Fitness. I also have a Facebook group, Defy the Diet and Beat the Binge. That's a free public group. That's not my client group. It's a different group. That's great. The link in my bio on Instagram has a ton of resources. My email list is on there and there you can get free videos and worksheets. I have my podcast also finally free podcast. I have quizzes where you can assess your relationship with food and then another one for fitness. I have articles I've written, just tons and tons of free info for anybody who's looking to dip their toe in. So on the podcast, are you helping people during the episodes or what's the format of your podcast? It alternates. So I have an episode every two weeks. One will be me going in depth on a listener question that someone has submitted. And then the next week will be an expert guest, or sometimes I have bonus episodes where it's a private coaching session with one of my clients and they've let me tape it, but it's mostly experts and listener questions. That's awesome. Thank you. It sounds exciting. <laughs> You've got lots going on in a great way. I well, I thank you very much for being with me today. And I encourage people to reach out to you. I will add all of your links, of course, in the show notes. And again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Alana sharing about how changing her mindset has helped her to overcome her eating disorders and maintain her recovery has helped you in some way. With Alana's story, one thing that stands out to me is how important what we say to ourselves really is. Learning to manage your thoughts is a huge aspect of recovery, as well as gratitude and accountability. And that's for a lot of things, right? Alana also taught us just how powerful our mindsets are for recovery and for that sustainability. For her, the realization of how what she was doing to her body was going to affect her goals was a huge catalyst for change. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, please seek help from a professional. Don't suffer in silence anymore and don't allow these disorders to affect the outcomes in life that you are hoping to achieve. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.